In a world where we are so easily made to feel like who we are isn't enough, knowing yourself is one of the most empowering and courageous acts of rebellion anyone can make. Knowing yourself means knowing your worth. I want to show you how astrology can help you do this. How astrology can open up ways of getting to know yourself on a cosmic level. Bridging Astrology is a podcast featuring astrological insights, updates, deep dive conversations, and practical resources all aimed to help ground us in the wisdom of astrology. You don't have to study the stars for lifetimes to tap into their wisdom. It's about drawing our own connections between us and the sky. Join me on this journey as we build our own bridge to astrology. Welcome back. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to B Dunks Astrology. My name is Becky. I am your host. And today, I'm really excited about today's episode. Today, we are going to be talking about the one of the biggest astrological events of 2022. And that is the conjunction between Jupiter and Neptune in Pisces. This is definitely a once-in-a-lifetime astrological event. Um, We'll get into a bit of the history here, but the last time that this occurred in the sign of Pisces was over 160 years ago, and it's not going to occur for another 160 years. This meeting of Jupiter and Neptune, both the traditional and modern ruler of Pisces, the fact that these two cosmic giants are meeting up in their home signs is is really big there are a lot of um opinions about this there's a lot of uh ways to delineate this this um this aspect i've heard a number of astrologers speak about it now Uh, it's definitely one that everyone is watching out for so before getting into the nitty-gritty just a few Typical housekeeping notes. Um, If you have not already subscribed to whatever podcast platform you are listening to this podcast on, if you can go ahead and subscribe, that would be mucho appreciated. I would love that. Um, If you could also, if you're feeling called to leave a written review, leave a rating, if you're enjoying the show, that would be great as well. I'd really love for that. It's one of the best ways to help the podcast. And... Yeah, if you want to connect with me, I'm available through email, through Instagram. All of that is going to be in the show notes. What else? What else? I think that's it. I don't really have a lot of uh, usual boring things to take care of in the the beginning of these shows, in the beginning of these episodes. So um, I... I'm going to just jump right into it. I think I'm going to speak a little bit about, again, the technicalities of what's going on here. Um, We can go into a little bit of the history. I'm going to speak a little bit about the 
the whole chart itself for that day that um, this conjunction is is perfecting on and some of the other things that are happening in the chart that are influencing this aspect as well and then a bit of uh, a bit of a wrap up I'm going to share um, this poem that I think is perfect for this aspect and uh, go into a bit of uh, takeaways that you guys can take with you to work with this energy that's going to be primarily active this week. Let's get started with some of the technicalities, just so um, especially anyone who's listening that's not super um, astrologically savvy with some of the lingo, I definitely want to break things down. So we're all on the same page here. So first off, let's talk about what is a conjunction? Because <laughs> it's important to know when I say Neptune conjoining with Jupiter, what the heck a conjunction actually is. So a conjunction is an aspect. It's an astrological aspect, and it occurs when two planets in the sky appear to be meeting up, kind of coming together, overlapping each other, holding hands in the sky from our perspective here on Earth. And when this does happen... The energies and the themes of those two planets are coming together in a union. They are, they're kind of blending together. They're not necessarily um, competing. They're complementing each other. It's kind of like when you're sitting beside somebody at a dinner table. The, the energy of both of you is, is meeting up and finding a way to work together, to work with each other. It's, um, I've heard this being described as it's almost as if like two keys on a piano that are side by side are being hit at the same time. It's kind of challenging to differentiate between the two sounds. Hence why when planets are in a conjunction, it can sometimes be considered a bit of a hard aspect. It can be a little bit difficult. It's not always the, the most benefic thing for two planets to come into a conjunction um, because we experiencing this in in um you know on a world basis on like a global scale and also too if you have conjunctions in your own birth chart it can leave us having a bit of a hard time separating the two energetic expressions so a conjunction that's out of the way now this conjunction between Jupiter and Neptune is occurring, as I mentioned, in the sign of Pisces. To be exact, it's occurring at 23 or 24 degrees of the sign of Pisces. And what that means is that if you have any planets or angles or significant astrological objects in your chart, at 23 or 24 degrees of Pisces, you will definitely be feeling this energy especially. Um, but with that being said, if you have anything really in any sign of your chart at 23 or 24 degrees, particularly in other water signs, so Cancer or Scorpio, or any of the mutable signs, so Gemini, Virgo, or Sagittarius, these points will also be activated by this conjunction. So the conjunction perfects this this energy. It can be felt kind of throughout the whole year because these two planets are larger planets. Um, we are using a bit of a wider orb, what's known as an orb in astrology. And that just means the 
range that which we use to consider something to be an aspect with with something else. And so again, because these are bigger planets, they are slower moving typically, we are able to use a bit of a wider orb. So if you're considering about a 10 degree orb, this energy is active for almost throughout the whole year, to be honest, but it's coming to its peak point on April 12th this week. This whole month of April is being activated by this transit, to be quite honest, but it's it's really hitting its peak points from about April 7th to April 16th, 17th. As mentioned, this conjunction is occurring in the mutable waters of Pisces. Mutable signs are concerned with freedom. They are all about exploration and discovery and the freedom to move around and go with the flow. If you want to learn more about mutable signs, definitely check out the last episode I released all about the elements and modalities and polarities of astrology. I go way more in depth about what a mutable sign is uh, and what a water sign is um, in that episode. So definitely check that out if you haven't already. Because this is occurring in the sign of Pisces, mutable water, themes of service to others are likely going to be a dominant thing at this time. There is a changeability and a flexibility that needs to be adapted at this time in order to navigate through the challenges and difficulties that we could be dealing with right now, both on a personal and a collective level. So taking a look at the planets individually, looking at Jupiter first. Jupiter has a 12-year orbit. Right now, Jupiter is moving at the quickest that Jupiter ever really does um, throughout the year. It's kind of really flying through Pisces rather quickly. So to me, this kind of gives this aspect, this conjunction of Neptune and Jupiter, um, a subtle feeling of FOMO. (laughs) This is kind of making us feel like we got to get while the getting's good. But again, this this energy is going to be available to us uh, for most of 2022. Jupiter entered the sign of Pisces right around the end of 2021, uh, beginning of 2022. And it will stay in the sign of Pisces until about May 10th, May 11th, when it will then enter the sign of Aries. Neptune has a 164 to 165-ish year orbit, and it spends about 14 years in each zodiac sign. So it's definitely a lot more slower moving and takes its time making its way through each individual sign compared to Jupiter. Now, because Jupiter moves a lot quicker than Neptune does, they do, it's not to say that this conjunction between Neptune and Jupiter is anything um, really unique. They conjoin about every 12 or 13 years, but they don't always conjoin in water signs, and they also don't always meet up in the sign of Pisces, which, as I mentioned earlier, they both rule over. Jupiter is the traditional ruler of Pisces, whereas Neptune shares modern rulership over this sign. So let's take a look at some of the themes that Jupiter represents, some of the functions. Jupiter's significations include things like expansion, 
Jupiter is the largest planet in our solar system. So that's why Jupiter is often synonymous with making things bigger. Whenever Jupiter comes into contact with another planet, it typically expands on the the themes that that other planet has going on. There's um, an enlargement that Jupiter brings, uh, growth, a sense of growth, an inflation. Because of this, Jupiter is also known to be the luckiest planet. Jupiter is what's known in astrology as a benefic planet. Um, so it's known to bring easier times. Um, it is very generous. It is uh, synonymous with bringing a lot of opportunity. It's also related to philosophy and belief systems and religion. It has a lot to do with the spirit. Jupiter is synonymous with Zeus. So if we're taking a look at Zeus, the Greek god of gods, um, Zeus is the lord of thunder. He's the god of the sky. He's the storm god. He's the bringer of thunder. And so we can think of, of Jupiter as being a little bit like that, being a little bit erratic at times. <laughs> um, Zeus had a huge uh, following. He had a lot of admirers. People looked up to Zeus. Zeus also had many lovers. <laughs> he was not the most faithful of husbands. Um, so there is this, uh, how do I want to word this? This grandiosity to his pursuits. <laughs> Jupiter also rules over the sign of Sagittarius, the archer. So we can very much correlate the themes of Sagittarius, this um, explorer archetype, this uh, adventure-seeking, fun-loving sign with Jupiter as well. With Jupiter in the sign of Pisces, the way that Jupiter expresses its energy is through grandiose imagination, big, big imagination, big dreams. Um, it's associated with the healing arts. Um, it definitely appeals to the emotions, to the emotional body. Um, we can think of, you know, humanitarian efforts, philanthropic organizations, um, definitely again, wide scale humanitarian efforts too. We can think of traveling, vast travels, especially traveling across seas or traveling by means of like going over water. We can think of, um, working with animals. And reconnecting with nature as well. That is very uh, Jupiter and Pisces. Jupiter and Pisces is also, um, it brings a theme of finding fortune through genuine mass appeal. Coming across luck because you're just genuinely likable. <laughs> but it can also be related to um, dogmatic projection and enforcing um, belief systems or pushing belief systems on others through, through means of emotional manipulation. Taking a look now at Neptune. Neptune is the planet of 
dreams. It is the planet of imagination and the ethereal realms and um, illusion, disillusion, um, altered states of reality, psychosis, psychedelics, um, hypnosis, things not appearing as they seem. Um, Neptune is very synonymous with dream states and dreams. Um, it also has a lot to do with, again, like drugs and toxicity and things, things that are taking us out of our sober state, um, our regular state of constructed reality. But Neptune is also very much represented with what's known uh, to the Greeks as agape, universal love. Neptune is, is the gateway to universal love. When Neptune is in Pisces, this brings about uh, an energy of a creative genius. It's deep thinking. It's uh, a profound understanding of intangible topics like what is the meaning of life? It is compassion amplified. It is intense psychic abilities and psychic aptitude. It is spiritual unity. It is reconnecting with source. It is um, a confusion of reality, really. Again, it, when, when Neptune is in Pisces especially, it really is a, such a dissolver of all boundaries. There is no, um, no force that's lending to uh, a, an ability to differentiate between things. You know, it's, it's very much I am you, you are me, and we are all one, and we all come from the same, the same thing. We are all just individual drops of the same ocean. And with that being said, though, it's also uh, it can bring about a lot of um, turbulent emotions. It can be uh, an emotional roller coaster. But on this emotional journey, it can definitely bring us to a sense of ultimate self-realization. Um, when we are exploring the workings of internal realms. With that being said, though, it can also lead to um, feeling like a victim. Pisces and especially Neptune, it can it can um, perpetuate this victim mentality and and even seeking revenge or seeking vengeance because you feel like a victim. And just also taking a look at Pisces. What is what is Pisces all about? Well, Pisces is the last sign of the zodiac. It is the end of the journey around the zodiacal wheel. Pisces is known for its very dreamy characteristics. There's um, there's definitely a romantic quality to Pisces. Romantic idealizations with Pisces. Pisces' main aspiration is union. It is connection to to feel interconnected with the world around it and all of its inhabitants. Being a mutable water sign, it's an energy that is highly intuitive, very sensitive, very empathetic, um, but also very compassionate and receptive and emotional 
emotionally driven, um, but also very adaptable. It's a very much a go with the flow sign. Pisces energy is is willing to help for the sake of helping. It is that that universal love that knows no bounds or common sense or reason. The beauty of Pisces is positive optimism and a blind faith or endless hope. It's this endless hope that is what helps to keep a Pisces native getting out of bed every single day because Pisces Pisces natives are people that have a lot of Pisces in their chart can very well relate to this and very well know that um, falling into a deep depression is really, really easy for Pisces because sometimes the the harsh reality of, of the world is too much, can often be way too much for a Pisces to handle. Um, Pisces natives, I'm a Pisces sun, so like we feel everything. <laughs> we definitely feel everything. It's hard for us um, to see something and not be able to relate to it or um, empathize with it or soak up that energy like a psychic sponge. Yeah, sometimes it is really hard for Pisces to navigate the reality of of our world and all of the darkness that comes along with it. So there is this blind faith that Pisces has to have in order for them to keep getting out of bed every day. There's this faith that they hold that everything is going to work out as it should. The universe is working its mysterious ways as it should at all times. Pisces is this captivating mixture of earthly passion, but ethereal fantasy at the same time. It's a sign that embodies mysticism and everything that is non-physical. Ironically, though, Pisces is associated in medical astrology with the feet, so you'd think it's kind of interesting because it's like that's the bottom of us. That's <laughs> it's not necessarily um, when we're speaking about all these like ethereal, dreamy, mystical qualities of Pisces. You'd think it has something to do with either the head or the heart, but it's the feet. Um, but I think this speaks to Pisces' ability to ground down in understanding. It's the connection that we have to the earth that we're living on and understanding that we are a living extension of this earth, especially because Pisces can be so lost in the, the dream realm. It is so important for this sign and Pisces natives to have a grounded sense of connection to the physical world they reside in. So now that we have a little bit of an understanding about Pisces and Jupiter and Neptune individually, just taking a look back at some of the history of this this conjunction between Jupiter and Neptune. Um, as mentioned, they they meet up every 13-ish years or so. Uh, the last time that Jupiter and Neptune made a conjunction, it was in the sign of Aquarius back in 2009. Before that, we saw another conjunction in Capricorn in 1997. And then before that, it was in Capricorn again, actually, in 1984. And then in 1971, it was in Sagittarius. 
1958, it was in Scorpio. 1945, it was in Libra, so on and so forth. But again, the last time that Jupiter and Neptune made a conjunction in the sign of Pisces was all the way back in 1856, meaning this is a 166-year cycle. Interestingly enough, the last conjunction in Pisces also occurred only 10 years after we discovered that Neptune was even a planet in our solar system. Neptune was discovered in 1846. So I think that's actually rather interesting as well um, and speaks to the, the themes that were going on at the time that Neptune was discovered. Um, some of the things that were going on around that time lend to the significations that Neptune had received. And one of the main things, actually, that I think I always think of um, when I think of the history of Neptune is the history of film and photography. Um, and it's, it's something that I think speaks to this, this idea of capturing reality in motion and bringing it to a standstill, bringing some sort of real structure to it, uh, bringing, capturing the quality of a moment in print. So what was going on in 1856? So there was a lot. There's definitely a lot. <laughs> I'm not going to name every single thing that was going on in 1856. But some of the interesting things that I found um, that can, again, speak to some of the themes that are going to be active around this time now. So in February of 1856, is when we saw the end of the Crimean War. Now, I am not going to pretend that I know everything there is to know about the Crimean War. I'm not going to lie. I'm not a big history buff. But from what the Google tells me, the Crimean War was a military conflict um, that started in October of 1853 and lasted until February of 1856. So this is when Russia was fighting against the British the French, and the Ottoman Turkish. The war started because there was conflicts of power in the Middle East um, that was more so caused by uh, Russia and its demands to exercise protection over the Orthodox subjects of the Ottoman Sultan. Um, there was also a dispute between Russia and France over some of the um, some religious issues, essentially. So we did see the end of that horrific war um, in 1856. And, uh, you know, I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I can predict things to a T, definitely not. But knowing that does definitely give me and hopefully you some hope that um, some of the things going on right now um, between Russia and the Ukraine, that all of the horrific things that are going on on that part of the world uh, can hopefully come to an end and hopefully find some sort of resolution here in the near future. So that's one thing. Another thing that happened um, on February 20th in 1856, there was a, a steam packet ship called the John Rutledge. It was uh, traveling from Liverpool to New York, and it hit an iceberg and sank. 
and there were uh, 120 passengers and 19 crew members that were unfortunately lost their lives, and there was only one survivor. So um, we'll, we'll get into it in a little bit here, but that, that's definitely speaking to some of the, the themes that can be active right now when it comes to water, crises of water, events that are caused by water. And I thought that was kind of interesting. The last thing that I wanted to mention um, was <laughs> totally kind of came out of left field for me. I didn't really expect to stumble upon this, but I discovered that on January 8th of 1856 um, was when the element of borax was discovered. So borax, one of the uses of borax, it's a it's a rubber polymer that's sometimes called slime or flubber or glurch. There's some really weird names uh, that come across with it. Um, and and the the purpose of, of borax, it's a it's a cleaning agent. Um, it dissolves into water to make some sort of solution. It's it's soluble. It has a lot of industrial and household applications. Um, it can be used as a pesticide, um, metal soldering. It can be a glaze and an enamel. It uh, can also be used to tan skins and hides, um, and to stain uh, wood. Uh, a preservative against wood fungus. Um, yeah, it's a, there's a bunch of uses for borax. So when I was digging into some facts about borax, uh, and I thought that the, um, the other name for it being flubber was interesting, I also realized that the movie Flubber with Robin Williams was released in 1997, which was another Jupiter-Neptune conjunction. And I thought this film in itself was actually a really interesting representation of this conjunction. Um, without giving away too much about the film, if you haven't seen it, it was made a really long time ago. Like, just go and watch it now. <laughs> Sorry, I'm probably going to give you some spoilers. But basically, what happened in this movie was we see the main character, Robin, Robin Williams, gets so captivated and enthralled with his newfound discovery of this substance, of this flubber that comes to life, that he misses his own wedding. And as a result, he gets dumped. <laughs> so his passionate belief in his creation took him out of reality. But at the same time, it was also the same thing that ultimately helped him get his love interest back. And it was the same thing that uh, led to a happy ending in the film and helped him to further gain a profit from this thing that he discovered and um, save the college that he was working at. Um, so this theme that comes out of this movie that I thought was interesting, that's, that's active now um, and can be spoken to of Jupiter-Neptune conjunctions, is this theme of love overpowering constructive, harsh reality. That, that love really is such a powerful force. Also, interestingly enough, looking at Robin Williams' chart, he was a triple water sign. So he had a sun in Cancer, a moon in Pisces, and he was a Scorpio rising. So I thought that was interesting too, speaking just about the element of water. So 
I wanted to take a look at um, some of the other things that are going on in this chart. So I think we should now dive into some of the themes. Um, maybe I should have done this before, but I'm doing it now. That's okay. <laughs> Jupiter Neptune energy. There's there's no rules. There's no there's no uh, proper way of doing this. Some of the themes of Jupiter Neptune conjunctions and Jupiter Neptune energy whenever they are making an aspect to one another. In particular, right now, I think. And I'm just going to kind of rhyme off some of the bullet points of themes that I'd, I'd written down, written down, that I have written down here. Um, the first one that I wrote was a peaceful resolution. I really do think that um, there is this, again, this, I keep coming back to this word, agape, universal love. And that's Neptune. And when Jupiter is meeting up with it, it's expanding. It's making that bigger. So peaceful resolution in terms of whatever conflicts are going on right now, whether it be personal or on a more grand scale, this desire to, this desire to want to find some sort of resolution out of the pure sake of honoring love and not wanting to fight anymore and um, wanting to be in this state of love, of unconditional love. Now, of course, that is definitely easier said than done, <laughs> but I think it is, um, uh, it's definitely an important part of what's going on right now. And I think it is because of this um, primary theme of, of recognizing the recognition of oneness, recognizing that we are all sourced from the same origin. We are all a part of this world. We are all from the same creator, whatever creator you believe in. Jupiter Neptune is a melting pot. <laughs> it is a melting pot of grandiose fan grandiose fantasy. Um, it can be described as a spiritual tsunami, <laughs> where we have a lot of spiritual revelations and spiritual breakthroughs. Our psychic sensitivity is very much increased at this time. Our uh, ability to intuit things, our intuition is heightened because of this, this activation of these two energies coming together. It also means that manifestation is going to be a lot more potent, I think. Manifesting powers are going to be increased. So this definitely is a good pocket of energy to tap into. This is a good portal to work with here if there are things that you want to be manifesting actively. Um, it's a time where there we can experience a lot of um, mystical revelations and um, psychedelic type breakthroughs. And with that being said, it can be quite overwhelming. 
it can be a lot of emotions that are that are coming up for us right now. And it can be really overwhelming and really confusing. Confusion is another really good word for this for this, um, this conjunction here, we are definitely at a crux of confusion. Because we may be feeling really conflicted between what's going on in our heart and what's going on in our head. There's a lot of karmic energy, I think, also being activated at this time. A lot of karmic fields meeting at some dramatic turning points. Our dreams can also be very, very active at this time. There can be a lot of big, really vivid dreams, um, awe-inspiring dreams. And this is actually a really good time to work with our dreams, Um, If it's not something you already do, this could be a really good time to start actively working with our dreams. And especially, again, because manifestation is going to be really, really uh, potent at this time. It's a good practice to start asking your subconscious before you go to bed every single night. Ask your subconscious to help you out, to reveal answers to you while you sleep before you go to bed. Because this is a real thing. We can definitely actively work with our dreams. It's not like, you know, when we go to sleep, we're just victim to whatever comes around. Our dreams are um, ways of our subconscious communicating with us um, when our active thinking critical mind is asleep and out of the way. So, yeah, why not? Why not try to start actively working with your dreams? And, um, you know, again, before you go to bed every single night, just take a couple moments to get present and, and set some sort of intention and, and, and tap into your subconscious realm and, and ask it to help you with something that you're trying to figure out in your waking life. And then when you do wake up, right away, I need to start doing this because I forget my dreams all the dang time. <laughs> but right away when you wake up, Keep a little notebook beside your bed and before you even do anything, before you, you know, get up to go to the restroom or whatever it is that you do in the mornings, write down your dreams because this is going to help really solidify the things that you just witnessed while you were asleep. So it's a really good tool to use when you are starting to work with your dreams to keep a dream journal and keep track of what's being shown to you. This is also a time where, as I mentioned, um, emotions can be really, really heightened. There can be a lot of emotional release. So, and in particular, through tears. We're working in the watery realms of Pisces. So there can be a lot of tears and waterworks um, coming up for us at this time. And it can be all through, through means of cleansing and purging. Um, so when we when we are having an emotional release like that through crying, it's not necessarily always a bad thing. It sometimes is really good to have a good solid cry and to just let all that shit out. Let all of that stuff that's been weighing us down that we've been suppressing, just let it go and let it out. So yeah, it's definitely a time of emotional cleansing and emotional purging. This is also a time where 
there's there could be a lot of passionate humanitarian efforts. And I think we're already actually seeing a lot of that, to be quite honest. Um, again, as I mentioned earlier, it's not to say that this is this day of April 12th or this particular week when it's at its peak is the only time that we're going to have this energy available to us. This is definitely something that has a wider um, range. And so, again, I think we've been seeing this passionate humanitarian effort um, come up a lot lately. Um, anything from, again, the unfortunate situations, the war that's happening um, in, in the Ukraine um, by Russia. I'm seeing so many amazing efforts come through as a result to help out in any way that we can. doesn't matter if we're across seas. Um, the amount of, of love and support and um, hope that is being projected to that part of the world is really inspiring, is really beautiful. Um, it's, it's just, it's unfortunate that it takes such a horrific thing for us to come together and band together as a, a human race. <laughs> but it is also unfortunately the the thing that does cause us to come together. You know, we can even think back to things like Hurricane Katrina. You know, um it, the the display of genuine neighborhood community coming together to help out no questions asked no alternate agenda just genuinely helping out from the goodness of your heart it's again it's unfortunate that it takes such a horrific thing for for that to happen but usually that's that's what is the catalyst that's what that's what triggers it so it would be nice to just have that be a regular thing but such is the polarity of life that we live in um, but yeah, it is, it is, again, it's all driven by this recognition of oneness. This, what I think of is the word yoga. Yoga is not just some, you know, trendy exercise that you have to be flexible to participate in or whatever. It's, it is you know, that's one part of it. The the asana, the movement practice is, is definitely one leg of yoga. But really, the, the translation of the word yoga is to yoke or union. It comes from the Sanskrit word yuj, which is union. Um, and, and yeah, so so yoga, the, the essence of the true meaning of yoga is is very much applicable at this time. The coming together, um, again, the recognition that we are all just individual drops of the same ocean. And on that note, as I said earlier, themes of water can definitely <laughs> come up around this time. Flooding, you know, um, ironically, unfortunately, you know, it. it I think of um, the heartbreaking floods that are happening in Australia right now. Uh, tsunamis, waves, overwhelming uh, water, issues around water. 
um, you know, anytime Jupiter Neptune aspects occur in water signs, we can definitely see these types of events start to peak. But we can also think of, um, again, ex exploration. I mentioned this earlier, exploration across seas, traveling across seas, traveling across water or by water. We can also think of going underwater. Um, so thinking of like snorkeling or diving underwater and seeing a whole new world underneath the sea that we have, you know, we often forget what what can be found underwater the complete polar opposite world that resides under the surface of water and it that awe-inspiring discovery of seeing all of this beautiful life that that was always there it was always there but we just didn't see it until that moment so it's definitely a time where there can be a lot of shifts of perception um a shift in, in dimensions and energetic frequencies are changing right now. This is a very, very potent time where there is a shift in the energy taking place. And I think, I think we all know it. I think uh, one of the words that came to mind with this was gnosis, that, um, that root word of gnosis, of knowing um, where it's hard to kind of put words to it, but it's more of like a, just an intuitive knowing, an intuitive feeling that these things are, are coming to peak points right now. And, and recognizing that we need to become an energetic match to the shifts that are taking place. We need to match the frequency that we're vibrating at internally. And, and also, too, recognizing that... Um, that process of manifestation and, you know, the law of attraction is, is really all about matching our frequency internally in order to attract what it is that we want externally. We need to, that's like the kind of main point about the law of attraction is you can't call something into your life that you're not ready to receive, you need to be at the same frequency, at the same energetic frequency as, a, as the thing that you're trying to call in is. And so I think we can definitely feel that right now this is an energetic tipping point. And again, a lot of our, our intuition, uh, the sixth sense, the sixth plus senses are being activated right now. This is an... Um, Another opportunity actually too for philosophy, Jupiter, to meet with psychology, Neptune, and um, exploring the way that our personal philosophies and belief systems govern and impact our psychology and our psychological state and the way that we go about living our day to day. This is a good opportunity. Uh, it's a good pocket of, of uh, a window of energy to work with and explore this within ourselves. And, and also too, it's a good time to explore our relationship with hope and faith, hope and faith. Um, and kind of, again, speaking to that, uh, that sense of hope that that keeps a Pisces going, that keeps a Pisces fueled. And I think the beauty of Pisces too 
is, as I mentioned earlier, they the Pisces knows that things are working out as they should, no matter how hard it may feel at the time. Um, it's it reminds me of the yin yang symbol, where there's light in the dark, and dark in the light, and one can't exist without the other. And one informs and influences the other. This is very, very uh, Piscean. It's a very Piscean fundamental understanding. This is a time also where we, um, again, speaking kind of of that philosophy meeting psychology, this is also a time where religion can meet up with spirituality. Religion being Jupiter, meeting up with spirituality, Neptune, and exploring if you do subscribe to any um, sort of religion, how authentic is your belief in that religion? And um, why do you subscribe to that religion? You know, I'm not trying to change anyone's lifelong belief systems by any means here, any means, but I think that the true essence of any religion has to come with some sense and some form of spirituality. Um, otherwise it's kind of just a form of government or, you know, it's like a, a corporation. And that's just my personal opinion anyways. Um, yeah. So just exploring that, that within yourself, if you, um, do subscribe to any form of religion, what your spiritual practice looks like as well. This is also a time of artistic rebirth. Um, and I, I think of surrealist art when I think of this time um, and this energy. It's, um, it's definitely, you know, um, Neptune and Pisces is definitely uh, offers energy that, that benefits the arts and artistic expression and creative um, liberty. During the last um, Jupiter-Neptune conjunction in 2009 is when the movie Avatar came out. That is a really, really spot-on example of Jupiter-Neptune energy. It speaks to the illusion of reality and what we think of when we think of reality and what we think of as reality, we we often think of it as being that's like the finite that is that is life. But at the same time, if we open our minds up to an alternative perspective, maybe the reality that we know of and that we think of is the illusion itself. It's a good time to explore that um, theme within ourselves. This could also be a time where a lot of virtual reality um, and the like kind of VR breakthroughs are, are going to start. We've already seen so much technological advancement um, in that area already, um, but I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, sometime this year there may be another really, really big VR breakthrough. And then I think the last thing I want to speak of when I um, think of just generic themes of Jupiter and Neptune conjunctions, um, especially in Pisces, is playing the victim. 
it's one of the shadow sides of of this energy for sure. And, um, you know, because again, that Pisces can really get in its feels and <laughs> really think that the reality is too much to handle, it's too much to deal with. Um, it's really easy for Pisces energy to to influence and, and cause this sense of victimhood and blaming outside forces uh, for your situation. And I think it's a good opportunity for us to explore how that may be a self-fulfilling prophecy, how we may be doing that to ourselves, and maybe looking at ways of how we can pull ourselves out and be our own savior. So at its best, in its light, this energy of this Jupiter-Neptune conjunction brings kindness, it brings uh, humanitarianism. It brings um, an expansion of, it expands homogeneity, which is the quality or the state of being all the same or all of the same kind, that recognition of oneness. It is a time where we can have a lot of spiritual enhancement, Um our psychic intuition, our psychic abilities will be at a peak point. And this is also a time where we can find a lot of success and pleasure and benefit through creative pursuits. In its shadow, this energy can be overly emotional. Um, it can bring about very grandiose, extravagant emotional displays. It can bring about a sense again of victimhood of playing the victim of subscribing to this uh, belief that we are weak and we are not able we're not capable it can be expressed as self-deception definitely um, you know there's there's a a chance that um, some of us can be wearing some rose-colored glasses right now and so we can be easily deceived by ourselves or something outside of us um, easily manipulated definitely easily manipulated and taken advantage of so that's just also something that we that we want to watch out for right now um, yeah so we, we just want to make sure that we aren't being taken advantage of and our uh, the kindness of our heart isn't um, being misused or abused so one of the I, I really wanted to read out this poem that I forgot I I even wrote down. I kept it in my notes because when I heard it, I just thought it was so beautiful. Um, it's a poem by one of my very favorite astrologers, Rick Levine. And um, it's called Present Tense. So I'll just read it. The lightning hits, the shift is now. I close my eyes and take the vow. To release the future and the past. To focus on the present, fast. Extending through infinity. Extending as far as I can see. The lightning hits. The sky lights up. The waters pour forth from my cup. The fields pour, pour forth from my heart. 
As from the past, my life does part. The walls of safety tumble down. My head goes spinning round and round. I'm standing high out on a ledge. I leap onto the razor's edge. Where form can split and separate. Ambivalence turns to love and hate. Where unity is sliced in two. Choice shows us what we must do. Where issues are forced, we must choose. Something to gain, something to lose. Something feared, something desired. The pressure to choose makes me grow tired. Something I want, something I fear. Excitement mounts as the moment grows near. Time speeds up and my heart beats fast. I fear this moment will not last. But then, I remember the razor's edge. And the illusion of feeling like I'm on that ledge. For the moment of now is all that exists. Create past and future, then something resists. Events in the future that hurt long ago. Creating rough waters in time's river flow. For time is a river that flows to the sea. The storm waves dissolve when we just let it be. When the past and the future are locked in desire. The rapids build and the waves grow higher. But it's all in the mind, for the ledge is unreal. The fear of the fall is the fate that we seal. The razor is safe if we stay here and now. So I soften my vision and repeat my old vow. I release unborn futures, letting go of the past, and the infinite present grows cosmically vast. Yeah, when I heard that, that was, um, that was real. That was potent. <laughs> and so, you know, I kind of like to let poetry speak for itself, but I, I hope that the meaning and the energy of that poem has been transmitted and, and um, you can kind of connect the dots in terms of how that is active right now. It's a good expression of, of the energy that's being activated with uh, this this conjunction. And you know what, actually, it's it's reminding me that I, I before we wrap it up, I wanted to talk about the conjunction chart itself and speak about some of the other things that are going on at the same time of this conjunction. One of the first things that I noticed um, in this chart is at the same time of this conjunction, Mercury, the messenger of the gods, will have just recently made its way into the sign of Taurus. And I think this emphasizes themes of firm and insistent ways of communicating, sticking to what it is that we believe to be true, things that have stood the test of time for us. And it, 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 it's, it's an opportunity for us to examine our own belief systems and um, just kind of contemplate if they're authentic and true to us and why it is that we subscribe to them in the first place. It's, uh, I think, also going to activate um, the potential for arguments to occur for existing approaches and only having perspectives shift if the alternative perspective has been very carefully 
structured and very thoroughly thought through. This is going to interact with the energy of the Jupiter-Neptune conjunction in such a way that it may leave us feeling like all the disillusionment that we can be experiencing at this time really needs to have a light of clarity shone upon it. The dreamy quality of Jupiter and Neptune is coming up to a challenge. It's challenged by the rigid and practical mental energy that Mercury and Taurus brings in. It could also escalate any themes of dogmatic lecturing that may be occurring, the, the dogmatic um, projection of beliefs, like belief systems are being impressed upon us left, right, and center. And it may likely be beliefs that aren't exactly revolutionary or new, but rather they are messages that we've been hearing. Things that we've been hearing over and over and over again, as that is very Mercury and Taurus, it has a tendency to repeat itself just so we really get the message. Um, and when we are met with these repetitive sermons, it could very likely um, cause us to choose to ignore it and really stick with our own opinions, stick to our own ideologies, since Again, Mercury and Taurus being very stubborn with the mind, uh, it's likely that we're not about to change our opinions super quickly. Mercury and Taurus is about learning through physical experience rather than being told something um, through means of like a verbal or written communication. So if we are going to have any sort of change of heart, it's going to be on our own accord, on our own time. And it's going to be because something happened to us or through us that made us change our perspective. The Jupiter-Neptune conjunction, it's also going to be making a sextile aspect to the north node in Taurus and a trine to the south, in, south node in Scorpio. This is putting an emphasis on our imaginative faculties and it is bringing in a lot of karmic energy. Anything to do with the nodes um, is definitely activating some sort of karma. And in particular, it is karmic spiritual transformation. It could have us feeling quite nostalgic um, and a, like kind of missing the past and, and nostalgic about the way things used to be. And um, yeah, have us really missing our past realities. But I think there's also um, this internal knowing within us, this intuitive sense that we have that whatever it is that we need to work towards changing right now um, in order to change our future is of the utmost necessary importance. It's not something that we can just ignore and push to the wayside right now. It's, it's definitely on our radars. Also at this time, the moon will have just entered the sign of Virgo. She's going to be in a waxing gibbous phase coming up to the full moon in Libra just days after this conjunction happens. Um, so with this phase of the moon, it's a good time for us to take stock. Take stock of where we're at with our plans and our goals and our visions and our hopes and reassess the strategy that we have 
for um, our plans to accomplish these things going forward. It's a good time to ask ourselves, do we need to do any sort of readjustments to our ideas and our options, or do we just go on with proceeding ahead with the way things are? It's a good time to refine. This phase of the moon in Virgo will have us feeling really eager, very likely eager to improve and edit and reevaluate and strategize. We'll want to get things done, but get them done properly. This is also going to intensify our spiritual aspirations and spiritual pursuits and um, feelings of devoting ourselves to things that we consider larger than everyday mundane life. We'll likely feel inclined to deepen our connections to our surroundings and to reconnect with nature um, and also to really reconnect with our loved ones especially. And lastly, this conjunction is also going to be making a semi-sextile to Saturn in Aquarius as well as a semi-sextile to the sun. So this can bring about feelings of major discomfort. Again, it's, it's not necessarily it's all sunshine and roses with this aspect. There's still going to be um, little, little pain points, um, little points of confusion and little parts of discomfort. Um, and with this in particular, it can have us feeling really uncomfortable with stepping into such um, an unknown, really uncomfortable with following our intuition and kind of ignoring um, some of the more logical, critical thinking uh, parts of ourselves that are trying to protest um, in any sort of faithful spiritual pursuits. It can make us feel uncomfortable with stepping into such a boundaryless state, um, a position of such unknowns. And um, we may be feeling like we're running the risk of very easily losing our sense of self if we venture too far into the depths of mystery and of what is yet to come to fruition, of venturing too far into the unknown. So now I'm really going to wrap up um, with just a couple things. I wanted to offer some sort of constructive way to work with this energy. And I think right now this is a really good time for us to do some shadow work. Everybody's favorite. <laughs> and in particular, some of the things that we can look um, at diving into and working with when it comes to any sort of shadow work and shadow work just being confronting those unseen darker parts of ourselves that we're not always necessarily keen on sharing or showing other people. Um, typically those things that we only talk about with our therapist. <laughs> this is a good time to work on those types of things. And again, in particular, looking at spiritual bypassing. Are we using empty spiritual rituals and practices to avoid working through some real, raw, unresolved emotional is issues and past traumas? Are we ignoring our psychological wounding by just covering it up with, oh, well, I'm meditating or, oh, well, I'm, 
doing yoga or, oh, well, I'm, you know, X, Y, Z spiritual practice. Um, If you've never really dove into the concept of spiritual bypassing, I'm not going to go too far into it. um, But I do think this is a really good opportunity for us to take stock and recognize if we are doing that in any way, shape or form. This is also a good opportunity for us to realize if we are being overly righteous in our spiritual stance. Are we projecting our beliefs and our values onto others and allowing egoic resentment or judgment to build up if our ethics and ideals are not being adopted by everyone around us if we are just you know kind of feeling like we're what we have to say and what we believe in is being ignored are we building up any sort of resentment and feeling righteous in our own stance this is a good opportunity it's a good uh, field of energy to work with um, when exploring that within ourselves this is also a good chance for us to Evaluate our emotional intelligence, our level of intimacy with our emotions and our awareness around our emotions. Because emotions are going to be likely running really, really high, everything is going to be felt a lot more intensely and on a much larger scale than usual. And so we got to ask ourselves, how familiar are we with our emotions when emotions do come up? Are we able to identify them? And are we able to sit with them? What do we do when we're feeling uncomfortable emotions? Are we allowing the space for them to be present or are we numbing out? Um, Are we disassociating? Disassociation can be a really, really big theme, especially with Neptune. It can be a really big thing right now. Um, Are we disassociating at all? And our tendency to disassociate... um, And when we do disassociate, what kind of um, dissociative breakdown do we experience? Is it, um, you know, depersonalization or derealization, which is just to give a little bit of a what that is, depersonalization or derealization, it involves a recurrent or ongoing experience of of either one or the other, depersonalization or derealization. Depersonalization would be the experience of um, detachment from one's mind, one's self, one's body. Um, it's the feeling like you're living outside of your body and watching everything that's happening to you from like a bird's eye view. Or derealization, where you are detaching from the experiences of your surroundings you're detaching from reality Um, it may feel like you're kind of floating through the world around you and the things that you're experiencing aren't even real and when you're in these altered states and and kind of going through these altered experiences you're aware of your reality um, and you're aware that your experience is rather unusual but Uh, It doesn't make it any less um, real for you, Um, and the experience is very stressful, and um, yeah, it can can really leave you um, in a state of, like, just voiding out from your emotions, detaching from wanting to feel any sort of emotion. It's also going to be a time of um, 
working through the process of breaking down and breaking through. This concept of breaking down and breaking through and, in, in, um, you know, especially in, in my own personal experience, I've always, not always, but I've come to the recognition that every significant breakthrough is always preceded by a breakdown. And um, so how do we, how do we deal with that process? How do we process our, our emotions? How do we allow space for our emotions to come up? How do we, you know, surrender to the process of grief? And, uh, you know, because again, the breakthrough is, or sorry, a breakdown is often accompanied by the um, ending of something. And so do we allow ourselves a space to go through this natural cycle of grief and um, whatever other emotions that want to come up during that time? Do we, do we know how to um, go through that process in an effective and healthy way as opposed to just stifling down any sort of difficult emotions with um, means of numbing or tuning out? This, um, this element of sacred surrender, that's one thing I, I also wrote down here that we can work on is, is the art of sacred surrender and surrendering to the process and um, having that belief that uh, things are working out as they may and we, we kind of need to get out of our own ways at times for that, that to happen. And then another thing that came to me was that this phrase of just add water. I think this is very fitting right now for this Jupiter-Neptune-Pisces conjunction. Um, Just add water. It speaks to the, a couple things to me. It speaks to the, um, like that commercial phrase of like, just add water. Look at this. There's like this, premix of pancake mix or like Kool-Aid or instant coffee, any sort of like ready-made instant product where all you got to do is just add water. I think that can be really representative actually of this time in terms of like the ingredient list is premixed for us. The ingredients are simple. They're already ready there for us. We kind of just need to add our own emotions into the, the mix for us to get the desired product. Just add the emotions, just add feelings, add the somatic memories. It also made me think of um, like watercolors and water paintings um, where, you know, by simply wetting your paintbrush uh, with water and dipping it into these solid colors, you can create these beautiful gradients of color and imagery on your canvas. Um, and depending how much water you add will dilute the result even further. So I think this this kind of can speak to this. Um, it insinuates that whatever we we're feeling called to step into right now, especially on a spiritual level, can really be quite an easy recipe to follow. Everything we need is ready and available to us. But there's a line that we'd want to keep conscious of, of not adding too much water to our recipe or 
you know, over diluting the paint so that nothing comes up on our canvas. Um, that, you know, we're just not being so overly emotional and getting lost in our emotions throughout whatever process we're, we're going through right now um, that may end up weakening or diluting the final product. And I think the last thing I wanted to read off here is um, from Elias Lonsdale's book, Inside Degrees. It's kind of like the Sabian symbols. If you're not familiar with the Sabian symbols, they are um, a list of like significations and descriptions for every single degree on the zodiacal wheel. Um, I I kind of use the inside degrees more than the Sabian symbols. It's just it's not not for any particular reason. I just find that I'm I'm kind of more resonant and and called to use these inside degrees over the Sabian symbols, but. I just wanted to read off the um, inside degrees for the 24th degree of Pisces. It's technically occurring at 23 degrees and 58 minutes. So I'm rounding up and going to the 24th degree of Pisces. And it reads, the title of it, anyways, the title of this paragraph is A Spring Festival. The participants are in a state of ecstatic frenzy. Inward explosions. The pressure valve goes off. You sit inside collective and ancestral frequencies of doubt, insecurity, and suppression until this can no longer be. The frenzied edge of new worlds. The ancient accumulations of old worlds. Coming to that point where the inward power overthrows form constraints, scattered semblances, and finds something magnificent that has been untapped and forbidden for so very long. The final spark ignites, releases, and reveals. What was lost and forgotten is more there than ever, and not discouraged, never put down. I thought that was very, very relative and representative of this conjunction it's a very um yeah I think it's a very nice summary of everything that I've been trying to say (laughs) throughout this episode um so I think I think that's it I think that's all I got for now this is uh again it's a it's a pretty major astrological event for 2022 um and I think it's a beautiful beautiful uh pocket of energy to work with i think it's a we have the power to make with it what we want and if we choose to tune into its higher expressions i think it it can be a really beautiful thing for for us personally and on a collective level so with that being said i think i'm going to wrap it up now at this point As always, as mentioned in the beginning, if you have not already subscribed, I would really appreciate if you could subscribe. If you feel like you enjoyed this episode and want to share it with somebody, that would be dope. I'd love that. Thank you. And if you feel called to leave a written review or a rating, uh, that would be lovely as well. I'd really appreciate that. I really appreciate that, um, that love that you're sending my way. And I'm sending so much love your way. I really hope you enjoy these beautiful 
ethereal spiritual vibes that are going to be potent throughout this this upcoming week um if you have any questions or you just want to connect i'm always available you can reach me um through instagram or email i'm also on twitter i don't really boost up my twitter a whole lot because i'm not really active on there but i am on twitter if you wanted to follow me on twitter and yeah i think that's it i think that's it my babes all right i will i will catch you soon i'm gonna um i have some interviews in the works that i'm really 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 excited to bring your way i uh i'm really excited for some of them they um i think it's going to offer just a different um, perspective into uh, certain astrological themes and um, ways to work with astrology. Um, You know, I want to make this podcast very insightful and educational to a degree. And um, really, again, that's, that's sort of the whole point of why I've called it bridging astrology is because I do want to really promote building this bridge between you and your relationship to astrology and, and make it accessible and practical and tangible. Um, and I think with that, there is uh, the necess- necessity to open up different types of topics and discussions that aren't always, you know, me just talking at you and and throwing astrology facts your way. (laughs) So stay tuned for that. And yeah, with that being said, I will catch you guys next time. Bye, babes. Bye.